the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 91, recorded Friday, May 17th, 2013. Theoretically. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. Welcome to AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tanama Albright, and uh, I will be your host for the day. Thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, with us this week is Miss Kelly Perkins. She's from Vadio. She is the Marketing and Communications Manager. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, also with us is Dr. Yoram Solomon, the Vice President of Corporate Strategy at Penview, and also the candidate for the Plano Independent School District for 2015. How are you, sir? Thank you very much, Tim. I'm good. We'll explain that in a second. Uh, so good. This is my buddy Craig McCormick, editor at large. Yay! At commercial, <laughs> at, at commercial integrator. How are you, sir? Great. Glad to be here again. Uh, and last but not least, Mr. Chris Netto, a consultant at AV Help Desk and the man behind Red Band. How are you, sir? Mm, doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about CEA and the Hall of Fame that they put out. Not necessarily theirs, but we're going to come up with our own. Um, maybe the, the Pro AV or the Infocom Hall of Fame. Um, Craig, actually, a commercial integrator, had a really good piece about the Boston bombings and the cameras that were used, so we're going to discuss that a little bit. Uh, double speed on fiber, and my question in general about why fiber still is not uh, as cheap as it maybe should be. Uh, and also the voice-controlled home. Real quickly, though, uh, our, our compatriot here, Dr. Solomon, uh, was a recent candidate for the school board. So uh, congratulations for that, sir. Well, thank you, as long as you didn't congratulate me for losing that election. No, no, it's, it's just even for getting <laughs> out there, you know. I mean, the one thing, it, it, I went to an Infocom roundtable here recently, and, and the one thing that I, I just find fascinating is guys in our industry, and, and women as well, people in our industry, have a tendency to just volunteer out you know, just in just in general in their community and i think stuff like that you know going after the school board whether or not you want it or not is you know yeah yes winning would have been better but the fact that you actually <laughs> went out there to you know to give of your time and your energy i think is commendable so congratulations for that thank you so much i got i got a lot of support i'm, I'm still amazed by the amount of support and the the number of votes i got would have won me 12 out of the last 14 14 uh, races in the last six years, so it's something, and uh, I'm I'm gonna take another shot at it. Yeah, see, 2015, Yoram, Doctor Yoram Solomon, and he's a doctor for crying out loud. So <laughs> I can't vote for him. I don't live in Plano. So uh, <laughs> uh, for, first up, the although you know, I, you can I, move before 2000. No, no. I, here's the here's the deal. I I live in Illinois, right? I'm in Southwest Illinois, basically a suburb of St. Louis, but. You know what? Close enough to Chicago where I could make some Chicago politics happen. I'm just saying, you know, I know people. Uh, 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 we're going to talk about uh, Infocom and the CTS exam. Maybe I shouldn't have used that, you know, that cheating introduction into an, an exam. But, hey, I did. So we're going to keep going. Um, every couple of years, uh, because of the, um, the standards that we've got when it comes to the CTS exam, uh, they kind of revisit it every few years. Uh, and this is from uh, our, our friends over at avnetwork.com. They interviewed um, Melissa Taggart from, uh, from Infocom. She's uh, in charge of education over there, uh, education and certification at Infocom. And basically says, look, you know what? This new test is going to reflect all the networking technology that's been happening. Um, the whole convergence thing, I, I, I hesitate using that word anymore simply because it, sometimes it, it feels a little overdone. Uh, but it's legitimate, right? It's it's something that we all experience on a daily basis. Uh, Kelly, we'll kick it off with you guys uh, because you know Vadio is no stranger to you know twisted pair uh, technology and, and things of that nature. Um, is this something that that maybe had to be done? Is this is this just you know Infocom keeping themselves as well as us you know up to date in uh, in the industry? I think so. You know, it's funny because we um, we were actually talking about it in a meeting this morning and just how you know, we've, we've 
kind of went from, you know, analog cameras to, you know, going over USB and a lot of streaming on our products. And there's, you know, with the addition of VoIP and everything that's kind of happening in the industry, I, I totally believe that people need to be updated on, you know, like networking in the AV industry and the convergence of AV and IT because, I mean... I don't, I don't know about you guys, but my background, you know, since I've been in the industry has been very much, you know, AV versus, you know, IT and networks. And I have learned probably more in the past year about networks than I ever had planned to learn. So, yes, I think it's I think it's important that we keep up to date with it. Um, I would also say, you know, on one hand, I would love to retake some of the classes if they're if they've redone the classes as well, whether they're online or at the Infocom show. Um, and it kind of begs the question of, do you think people, do you think people who already have their CTS should be required to almost do, you know, kind of restudy up their RUs? I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, <laughs> I have a, <laughs> I shouldn't say this. I took my CTS when it was online. So, <laughs> I don't, well, that's what I I'm don't saying. want to like, take I it again. It, I took it like five years ago too. So it's like, how up to date is it really? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> Dang, comment, Kelly. That's a good, well, that's but, a good point though. But but here's the thing. You you also take classes in college on uh, microprocessors. And let's face it, the microprocessors you learned in college and the programming languages you took there are, are not relevant anymore. So to some extent, it is up to you to be up to speed and relevant. And that's how you get jobs and, and positions and things. It's not... Uh, it's not just going to be the test that uh, that makes you the yeah. differentiates yeah. you. Yeah, well, and I no, I totally agree with that. It's just I, and I, I mean, I try and keep up to date with education and renewing and you know collecting our use and whatnot and and just doing it for myself. But I, you know, does everybody have the time to do that? <laughs> well, no, and it, actually, Tech, you did start. A, okay, oh, my brain's going to work now. All right, here's it's a good question, and let's kick this one around. Because it's a certification, and I don't know because I'm not Cisco certified. Does anybody know if you have to retake a Cisco certification test or anything that's equivalent, you know, Microsoft certified or anything else like that? That I don't know. Yeah, see, and that, not sure. I, see, and I, I don't either, and that's that's Kelly's question is legitimate. Whether or not, you know, we need to, if after, maybe not every three years retake the test, but maybe every six years or every... Every nine years, you know, every two or three times that that the CTS renews, we should we should retake the test, kind of like taking the drivers the, the behind the wheel after you hit seventy or something, or even do well, some sort of like addendum. Yeah. And if you want to be up to speed with technology, then you really need to take that test uh, twice a week. <laughs> oh, for <laughs> all right, right Doctor Solomon. <laughs> he has a good, good point too. <laughs> yes, he does. Technology just does change quite a bit. It does, unfortunately. Uh, Craig, is this something where where Infocom is just you know keeping us up to date and 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 all of us that have uh, CTS? Yeah. yeah you, you say Craig or Chris? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Both go ahead, at the same time. You go, Chris, Craig. Go. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, I do think it's it's a good thing, and it, it shows that that Infocom is is obviously willing to you know change and update with the times. Obviously, as a uh, an, an association that's that's uh, you know based on companies that that work in the technology space, they they have to be willing to adapt, and, and certainly they're they're showing that that they do that, and and this this is just one way that that, that they do that. So it's 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 good to see that they're they're kind of realizing that their uh, their their membership is changing, and and the, their needs are changing, and and that they're kind of adapting with that as well. Uh, Mr. Neto, is this first of all? Is this you know them them keeping us up? But also talk a little, little bit about what we we were talking about a second ago when it comes to maybe retesting or or you know an addendum, something where the CTS for us old guys that have had it for a while, um, you know, it, it's still it's still relevant. Well, I mean th that that's a huge argument online right now uh, in internet forums, uh, AV internet forums uh, regarding CTS credibility of the CTS, 
and you know does a cts automatically you know ensure that you uh go to the next level in your company that's not the you know that th- there's been a lot of scuttlebutt regarding that now i see it as it's it like you just said before it's your driver's license it basically says that you you read and understood you know what goes on in the industry at the time uh you have a basic understanding of it but everything that you're going to do from that point on is renewal credits so you know you're renewing the certification that is you know by you participating in these classes and 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 going to seminars and being part of webinars and however way you collect your RUs is keeping you fresh with what's going on you know uh, if you're going to put an exam on somebody every every year you know as quickly as this industry changes <laughs> that's asking a bit much but you know i think that as you are accumulating your points and your your con- you you have to if you want to stay relevant in what we do in the technology industry not just the navy you have to keep current with what's going on i mean that's that's just a fact well maybe not every year but you know maybe every i don't know two or three years i was actually um, looking at uh, i'm getting ready to go to some manufacturing training um, and mine, I got my CTS in 06, 07, somewhere in there. So I've already, yeah, but, go ahead. But Tim, now you're, you're relying on a test to say that you're current. Meanwhile, that test may still have 35 millimeter slide projectors on it. You know what I'm saying? What, what's wrong Tim, with 35 millimeter slide projectors? I work okay. in education, brother. I still I was, got I was, those things. I was just about to say, <laughs> I forget who I'm talking to. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you having that foundation of the old stuff is great don't get me wrong i mean i i learned how to edit music or or, or audio with you know razors and and the old tapes slicing and, and pasting and stuff like that but that concept is used in program that you use today for editing sound which is you're basically instead of manually cutting it and you know going back and forth you're doing that now with a computer yeah. so the concept is there and i think that's what it's all about it's all about the concepts of how things work things that happened uh 10 years ago or 12 years ago when i got into the industry and i came into the industry into a video conferencing company that was solely isdn but the the basic principles of of how video works apply today but now they're on ip and god knows how many transformations have happened in between that but you know it's it's still very relevant to what we do today aside from obviously the network has changed yeah and and well, you know what some of the you know the transportation of the video and the audio has changed but it's you know like you said it's still the, the endpoints are kind of the same so yep we're all going from a to b that's yeah. it yeah uh from electronic house uh our old buddy grant clauser wrote this it is a voice pod voice control um, for your house, and uh, it's it's made by House Logics. It's well, it, it's exactly what you think it is. It it's kind of a uh, if how many does who, who does not have an Xbox or or Connect here? I don't. You don't. Okay. <laughs> it's, I don't use it. I don't. But it's but it's there, right? I mean, you've mm-hmm. ha, have have you guys interfaced with it vocally yet? Or tried to at least. I have tried doing the Connect games, and uh, only with the doors closed, blinds down, will I try a Connect game because I, not good. But <laughs> but I I have played with the with the Connect, and I mean it's it's definitely interesting. I mean I'm a big fan of, of gesture control. I just don't believe people should be dancing. Well, in public. In, well, not in public, no. <laughs> and, and the bad thing about the Connect games is that it actually records you and then plays you back as you're, it's, it's bad. Yeah, uh, it is. It, that's, but here's the thing, this reminds me of that, right? This, um, my kids are, are seven and, and five now, and the Connect also has voice control, right? And there are some, it, it's still, they're still messing around with some of the filters because sometimes they'll be walk, watching a show and the show itself will say something, something will, some, some kind of, a, of uh, vocal will come out of, of the show, uh, part of the script, and the connect will think that it's you know someone in the audience talking to it. And my kids have gotten to a into a habit where they'll say Xbox do whatever Xbox play Xbox stop Xbox no, and that's what this thing reminds me of. It is it is a vocal uh, interaction for your house, right? Um, and, and Chris, uh, Mr. Netto, we'll start with you on this because you said you, you know you're you're a big fan of gesture. Um, the one issue with gesture maybe is is you know the shorthand. Uh, if if any of you remember the Palm Pilot from the from the nineties, 
they had something called graph. I think it was called graffiti, and that was their shorthand for for the for the uh, the letters that you were going to put down. Yeah. Um, the problem that's my problem with gestures is that there's got to be some sort of shorthand. Is well, this maybe leapfrogging that? No, I don't think that. Now, I don't think that voice is the complete answer because it has its deficiencies as well. Um, but if you take the two of those things that connect does, which is gesture and voice, and one triggers the other as a confirmation, then you have a solid. Now you have, you know, you say up, and your right hand goes up. It does now has positive confirmation that you want the volume to go up, for example. So, yeah, I, I don't believe in voice control in the house. I mean, look at it in your on your Bluetooth on your phone. You know how many times I've said, you know, I was just complaining today that I pocket dial people. Well, the other problem that I have with my phone is I say, you know, call mom. And the next thing you know, it's calling uh, um, home or, you know, <laughs> it's it doesn't it's not 100 percent reliable. And I think that people expect that 100 percent reliability and you're not going to get that right today. It may be down the line somewhere, but, you know, it's definitely come a long way. So, so here's here's the thing. It is definitely down the line. I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't believe in the um, the qu the quality right now is not there. But it's not there because of the way voice recognition works right now. It, it really is trying to detect a single word. And if you think about how you think and how you analyze what you hear, you, you probably don't hear 20, 25 percent. You don't understand 20, 25 percent of the words being said each word at the time. But out of context, you do understand the entire sentence and you can understand the tone of voice, which a voice recognition system still doesn't. And so, you know, I did a kind of a back of the envelope analysis and I reached a conclusion that by 2028, the processing power of a single microprocessor chip is going to be as strong as the processing power of our brain. And oh. so we may not have to oh. wait until 2028, but... Um, the voice recognition algorithms need to get to the level where they can understand out of context. They can understand based on things that they've learned. So there's an element of artificial intelligence. And it is going to get to a uh, look, this product right now is listed at $650. So it is going to be available at a price point like that. So I, I don't know that we need to complement it with any gestures. I just think that uh, we're on our way and we will get there to where voice recognition really does work. What scares me, Tim, about what Dr. Solomon just said is that at some point the robot is going to come back from the future and is going to start chasing <laughs> oh, us down. stop it. <laughs> oh, By the way, this, this is what I wrote in my blog entry a few months ago. Uh, 2028 is when they're going to have the same capability of us. 2030 is when they're going to have twice as much. How long is, do you think it's going to take before they realize that they have absolutely no use for us? Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, 2035? So start digging a hole, you know, in the <laughs> cave somewhere. <laughs> AI is scary, man. You know, it's, you know, self-awareness. There are so many references here that I cannot uh -huh. decide which one to go to. So, Kelly, <laughs> um, in about 10 years, your iPod will be smarter than you. Um, is this just voice control in general? I mean, is this are, are we just looking for something here that's easier than buttons? Is maybe that's why these things keep coming out, whether it's gesture or voice? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I've played Connect at my friend's house, and every time I play it, it just assumes that I'm a boy and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't <coughs> yeah me. it doesn't think I'm a female so I mean <coughs> I'm sorry there's... how does it dip oh, never mind I just never mind <laughs> I don't want to know don't yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean if, if that's the case now I mean how 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 good are these products really you know what I mean it's there's it's, it just seems like there's a lot of malfunctions and maybe in 15 or 20 years they'll continue to get but as far as i'm concerned i really don't mind pressing a button <laughs> yeah. i'm the same way i, I mean I, i'm kind of looking at, at what this does and, and you know reading about it and hearing you guys talking about what this this product might might do and I, i'm thinking you know the, these are things that don't seem like they're all that difficult you know turning up the volume or you know dimming the lights or, or whatever the case may be that i mean 
I, I don't I don't have a problem doing that at this point. So it uh, doesn't seem like something I I necessarily need. Although once the uh, once the AIs are here, who who knows what uh, who knows what might happen. <laughs> Yeah, and the last thing you want is you're walk, you know, it's the middle of the night. You get up for a glass of water, you turn on the light, and as you're walking to, you know, down your stairs, you sneeze, and it takes it as a shut off on you. And next thing you know, you're f- flying down the stairs because it just heard <laughs> what thought what it thought was, you know, something else. You know, it's going to assume. So yeah, you don't want that. I, I, I'm going to make an interesting transition here. So all the AI is going to be smarter than us, and they're going to be controlled by the government, and they're going to know what we're doing because of the cameras that they have everywhere. That's true. Hey, do, you, do you like that? Do you like that? There's, there's, <laughs> there's a lead in. Uh, in, in, in all serious, it's it's a serious topic, but it's also an AV topic here. Talking about the Boston bombing, um, and the the way that Craig starts out this story is is very interesting to me because he starts it off almost like a not a murder mystery, but a very good you know a suspense. Uh, quote: If Whiskey's Steakhouse on on Boylston. Boylston, yeah. Boylston, I'm, I'm from St. Louis, dude. Uh, hadn't rescheduled <laughs> a service call from CCTV Services in Farmingdale, New York, to look at a camera issue uh, picked up by the CCTV's DVR health monitoring uh, program at the popular eatery on April 15th. The bobbing suspects may still be at large or possibly worse. So, uh, Craig, let's talk about uh, cameras for a second here and, and the, the fact that uh, as as you know, all of us that watch this uh, unfold could see um, the way these guys got caught was the fact that everybody and not everybody, but but a lot of these um, institutions, all a lot of these um, uh, steakhouses and, and bars and grills have got these these cameras around the yep. CCTVs. Yeah, and um, what, what's interesting in 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 the story is the the company that installed these these cameras said that. A lot of the external cameras that uh, that you know restaurants and and stores and stuff are getting are, are now more for um, to prevent lawsuits from happening more than than protecting themselves from you know in, internal theft or those, those sort of things. That five years ago it used to be about you know protecting yourself from your employees, and now it's protecting yourself from a lawyer for you know for slip and fall or whatever the case may be. You know, some somebody making up some sort of story so it um this uh this this restaurant you know put put in these cameras only only a couple of years ago and and actually had um one of their cameras was uh was was down and um the the service the the monitoring program that that they had had uh, had had sent an alert to the installer and the installer was scheduled to come and fix the camera on Marathon Monday, and and would have had to uh, shut the entire system down, which means you know, it you know it's possible that that you know these two guys may may not have been picked up on on someone else's camera. Who who knows? Yeah. But but uh, it's it's just kind of the whole the whole thing is is pretty interesting. I thought that is pretty interesting. And the other thing that's interesting about it is um, is a kind of a, a side story to that is the fact that their system sent out an email. It wasn't like someone actively actively said hey there's something wrong here right the, the, the sy- way yep, the, the way the system works it, it basically sends an alert to the the integration company and and tells them that there's there's a problem and then they contact their you know their their customer and and tell them you know we, we need to come and, and check out your system because there's there's whatever the, the issue may be by the way if if we fast forward a few years or, or maybe a few decades uh, right now, here's what happens. Uh, you look at the video and you go, oh, these are the terrorists. I, I know that these are the terrorists. It uh, would have been so much better if you watched that video before it happened and not after the fact. However, you're not going to man all those cameras. Let, let's add more cameras and just have people look at them 24 hours a day to try and identify someone who's uh, behaving uh, in an irrational way or, or in a suspicious way. Um but, and I'm going back to artificial intelligence, um, there, there is a professor, a friend of mine here in UT Dallas, who's working on uh, a way for a camera to detect that someone just fell, but that someone didn't, didn't just go down on their knees to the floor, but actually fell, which means that there is a potential medical problem and causes an alert. So, um, as I said, fast forward two decades, 
those cameras should be intelligent. And, and you know, there are people working on that in, in different uh, companies that, that I'm aware of, uh, to the point where something like this could actually be stopped before it happens. So, in other words, the, the algorithms are, are, you know, detecting people's, you know, heart rates and, and blood pressure and whether or not they're they're excited and, and kind of kind of almost like a, a lie detector built into it. There is a little company in Israel that demonstrated something, and you can find that on the Texas Instruments website because I visited with them when I worked at Four Texas Instruments. Little startup company. We went into a room. They had a camera look at us, and that camera told us the level of sugar in our blood. Oh, shut up! No well, way. Based on the color wow. of our skin and changes in colors of skin. <laughs> So, you know, it was pretty rudimentary at the time, and they have improved it since then, and now they have this uh, little visual thing that can tell you the level of sugar so you don't have to, uh, you know, draw blood three times a day if you're (laughs) diabetic. But those things are are coming out. It's just a matter of refining an algorithm to the point where you can detect something that otherwise you would just ignore. All right. One thing that's always cool about when I have Dr. Solomon on, I always hear stuff like this, and it makes me really, really excited and also want to move to Montana in the mountains somewhere. Really, really scared. Oh, my gosh. Well, Tim, regarding regarding the whole camera thing, uh, it's kind of fitting that the last bit of confirmation that we had uh, that it was that person or that it was – you know, the suspect was the thermal camera that the helicopters flew overhead and Mm -hmm. shot him, you know, shot, uh, you know, video of him in the boat and, you know, the, the the infrared camera picked him up inside the boat. So they were scanning there, you know, there was a lot of technology used and that, that's the amazing part of that whole, you know, that whole week is, you know, the amount of not just from, from a closed circuit stuff that, um, that Craig wrote about, but you know, once you start adding in the social media aspect of it and how law enforcement went to uh, you know the internet and used the internet as a tool was pretty impressive. Yeah, and you digital know. signage was another another piece oh, that yeah. was used pretty heavily. All the uh, all, all the billboards along the highways in, in Massachusetts, you know, they flipped to the you know emergency notifications and stuff like that. So that that was that was all pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and and to think about it, that they shut down. That I mean, we're not talking about, you know, a small town. We're talking about one of the major cities in the country, completely on lockdown, mm-hmm. and everybody was in tune with what was going on based on you know technology. You know, that's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> that was that was that was amazing. So, sure was. One... But to add to add another piece to that, Tim, yes. there was a thing on 60 Minutes uh, not too long ago uh, where they went over and talked about how New York City has moved. And this is going back to September 11th, how New York City has moved, um, you know, into that uh, using technology in the war on terrorism or the you know crime or whatever. And, you know, if you think that uh, a camera is the only way. I mean, they have sensors in New York now that they could not go into detail about, obviously, on TV that will pick up somebody with, you know, who just went and got a radioactive iodine put in them for maybe a thyroid exam or, or something or thyroid treatment. They can find that person on a boat in the Hudson River. Really? From, yeah. Ooh. Because once that person got out there, their sensors picked it up. Sure enough, police went over, took a look at them, and there it is. <laughs> so it's it, it, what we know is what we know, but there is a lot more to it. So, all right. Wow. N- now that we have this whole conspiracy and Jeez. Big Brother watching us. <laughs> yeah. yeah that not- notes, <laughs> I love my government. <laughs> I, w- I want to see how you transition to the next story. I, I'll, no. I'll do it like this. You're listening to AV Week. We have with us... <laughs> Uh, Ms. Kelly Perkins from Vadio, Dr. Yoram Solomon from Penview, Chris Netto from AV Help Desk and Red Band, and Craig McCormick from Commercial Integrator. Uh, yeah, because I got nothing for the next one. Um, <laughs> hey, here's the thing. And, and then actually, the next two kind of go together. And that, uh, the one is about Samsung, and the other one is about, is about fiber, and they kind of all kind of interact. Uh, the first one is the fact that Samsung is doing the 5G wireless standard. And 
Oh, good lord! I'm getting, I'm getting 4K exhaustion and 8K. I'm getting K exhaustion, I guess. And I saw this story, and I'm like, oh, good lord! Seriously, another, you know, another 5K and 5G and 6G and 7G. But when you look at it, it's like, holy cow! Seriously, um, when you look at stuff like 3D and even 1080P, um, and if anybody does develops 1080P deep color, great, hallelujah! You know, we'll have something there. But you start looking at ways to do this stuff wirelessly. You need stuff like what Samsung's doing here. Uh, Dr. Solomon, you're, you are the, the smartest technologist that I personally know, so we'll start with you on this. Um, is, this an, uh, is this maybe a, a way for Samsung to, to give us really true, true HD um, wirelessly? Or is it something so, totally that I'm not even thinking of? So, so a couple of things. Uh, first of all, please call me Yoram, not Dr. Solomon. I told you already, I'm not, I'm, as my daughter said, I'm a doctor, but, but not, not the, the useful, useful kind. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I love that, that story, joke, by the way. <laughs> that story, uh, I kind of, the, the picture at the top of that story is that F-18F uh, uh, crossing the sound barrier. You kind of lost me after that picture. I didn't look at the article. Oh, but sorry. No, seriously. <laughs> uh, the uh, I was actually involved with the creation of the LTE standard and uh, and 802.11g and 802.11n and, and so on. And one of the things I have to say is that you need to ask yourself what what is the bandwidth that I really need for an application. And I remember back from the 802.11g standard when we we're coming up with 54g and everybody at 54 megabits per second. And everybody said we need this, we need this, and nobody really cared about the fact that you're getting a 1.5 megabit per second DSL coming into your house. So what exactly do you need 54 uh, megabit per second for? And, and the bottom line is that you care about speed because you can have it and not necessarily because you need it. Because let's face it, high definition, uh, you, you can get high definition at the pretty large screen, not just a small screen, for about two, three uh, megabits per second in, in good quality with H.264, MPEG-4, and, and, and a few others. And so uh, do you really need higher speed? Now, th th then the question comes in, in, in how do you implement it? And one of the things Samsung is trying, and I kind of followed some of the links uh, from this story uh, beyond to what Samsung was working on, and they're trying to develop kind of a de facto standard and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I've spent so many years in, in standards organizations to, to try and drive standards. It would only take off once uh, multiple companies adopted and agree on what the standard is. Uh, there's a lot of intellectual property that, that goes into that. But the, the other thing is that, especially with wireless standards, you need to be very careful because when, when they sell you this is as much uh, bandwidth that you're going to get, and this is the range you're going to get. It's it's just like when a car salesman tells you that you're going to get the five thousand uh, uh, dollar cash back and uh, zero point nine percent APR. What you're kind of missing is that the or in between. It's either or. So those wireless standards, you really need to be very close to the uh, uh, to the cell, uh, whether it's macro cell or micro cell to really benefit from it. And if you're trying to be two kilometers away, as they claim, you're not getting that that bandwidth. Hmm. So do we we have standards on like what we are getting? Are we getting we have standards? What? I, I, in other words, if, if we're like two kilometers away, like like they're saying, are we getting not even 720? Are we getting or is it or is it compressed? No, it's compressed. It's okay. it's compressed either way, and and so you can you can get 720p uh, on phones. It's really a matter of where you are. Uh, with LTE coming out, there was really a big push initially to come up with microcells because you have to you have to wonder whether on a highway I need to watch 1080p or 720p on the phone. I probably need to do that when I'm in a mall or in any other public place uh, where where I'm going to care. And and by the way, I'm going to be much closer to the base station uh, to get that type of bandwidth. That's a very good point. By the way, you should not be watching 720p on the road. You should be driving. <laughs> so, so yes, not more, more than not more than standard definition. Yes, yeah. <laughs> nothing nothing more than SD because that won't make you crash. Um, or text. Uh, yeah, or texting. Good for it. Um, actually, I don't think yeah, there's a couple different laws, uh, depending on what, what state you live in. Um, Ke Kelly, is this, is this, you know, Dr. Solomon makes a very good point. This is, 
Um, is this maybe Samsung's, you know, next generation or, or helping us get to the next generation of, of wireless video? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like they said, it's going to be a long ways down the road. So who knows what's going to happen between now and then? I mean, just think about how far we've gone in the last couple of years with high definition and running it over, um, you know, different different avenues and i i don't know to be honest <laughs> that's all right uh chris is this something where we need to where we should even worry about yet because kelly's right you know who knows what we're going to be in two or three years by the time this this gets up and running not for the average user maybe for certain applications with uh, remote video you know uh, people that maybe will benefit from from higher bandwidths uh you know with the cell phone uh you know, with, with cell phone uh, internet, um, maybe remote uh, users with a laptop that want a hotspot in, or reporters that are out, uh, you know, shooting video and streaming live back to a, uh, you know, back to uh, um, a central office or something like that. Uh, that maybe in that application, uh, you know, I I don't see the need for somebody playing Minecraft at five, you know, with five G speed. <laughs> or Angry Birds, <laughs> you know, what, do you, what, do you, what are they going to do with it, you know? Um, uh, 4G is plenty fast for what I've done. I mean, could it be better? Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, maybe with 5G, I wouldn't have drop-offs in, um, you know, in a, in a Skype call or something like that. Yeah. But it did, but it that doesn't justify why I would need it if it's there and they're offering it. It's just another reason for the wireless companies to, you know, bump up your your cell phone bill but you know when i'm home i switch to wi-fi and if they're going to update uh wireless to 5g what are they going to do about internet speeds to the home is is that going to be equivalent or, or faster or it also might be a way for them to to cut wires completely and just drive wireless to the home so well then then I, that's something that we've I think we've discussed here on the show mm -hmm. is, you know, that's the future of, of, of cable. Like where, where's cable going to go? Is cable going to go away? Cause there's been a lot of talk about, you know, cutting the cord and people getting rid of cable in general. Um, you know, I can envision a, you know, the future where we just have an internet feed in and then everything is on the internet and you get what you want off of it. Um, you need those higher speeds to do some of this stuff. I mean, you, you go to the home theater side of, the, of, of our business and, you know, they want to see, you know, you talk 4K. I know you hate Ks and 8Ks and 4Ks and you're all K'd out. I don't but... hate them. I love 4K and I love 8K. It's just, you know, every week there's a new story about somebody doing something. So Well, you know, that's because... There was one this the... week and I was, I was tired of it, so I didn't do it. It's the hot me too right now. Yeah. You yeah, know? So everybody's gonna, you know, and plus Infocom's coming up, so it's that's part of the it's part of the shtick. But you gotta, if you're gonna look at the home side that wants to deliver, you know, the high quality 4K movies, then you know maybe that's an application to increase the bandwidth on the home side. But for mobile users, I mean, I don't know, I don't, I don't, maybe down the road because. Like, um, you know, like Dr. Solomon said, as long as, you know, there is a need, if the processing power is going to be there in your cell phones, what good is having a 5G uh, wireless service if your phone can't keep up with it? You know, but as phones increase in, in, in horsepower, it can do more, more, more things. I mean, you never thought that you can carry the power of a, of a laptop, you know, on a phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. Chris, you brought up another interesting point, which is the carriers themselves. So you remember that the fact that the base station, this is really the scope of the, the research that Samsung is doing. The fact that the base station can communicate with my phone at one gigabit per second or beyond uh, and yeah. support multiple phones this way doesn't mean that they have the backbone for it to carry yeah. it all the way to the Internet. And it doesn't mean that the uh, operators, the carriers, are going to be happy providing it uh, because it's going to cost them a lot more where it's really marginal value, as you described it. It's marginal value for you. And, and this just reminds me when uh, AT&T was the first company to start giving away or selling uh, the iPhones, and they they were talking about the video that you can get and everything. And I remember that 
once they started shipping them out, they started telling, they started calling those iPhone users uh, bandwidth hogs because you're hogging the bandwidth, you're using video. And I was thinking that's exactly what you told us we should do. This is mm -hmm. how you sold us the iPhone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and where did unlimited plans go since then? That's right. Gone. <laughs> well, <laughs> they've all disappeared. Well, you know what, it, Tim, let's just cut right to the chase. This is just Samsung one-upping you know, Apple, because now they're going to get into the wireless business and develop a new thing that obviously the iPhone just, you know, is now 4G. So now we're going to come out and we're going to invent 5G. There, now your turn. Volley that one. You know, that's <laughs> maybe that's it, because they love to, you know, start fires with each other. So, <laughs> well, they, they still do in, in one of the subsidiary stories, they do say that the new technology, which will not be ready for commercial market before 2020 at the earliest. Yeah. It's the gauntlet. Lay it down. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure seven years from now we'll all remember who who invented 5G, right? No, we won't. <laughs> who invented who invented 4G? I'm just kidding, <laughs> Mr. J. That's that's called sarcasm, Tim. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. See, it, it's, even sarcasm has a different accent in the on the East Coast than it does on the South. Apparently so. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> How's the Red Sox doing, by the way? Ah, better than expected. Oh, there we go. So. <laughs> um, all right, next up, the fiber system. Um, according to a very smart person at the University of Tel Aviv, the uh, today's optical fiber systems have twice the theoretical capacity currently attributed to them. Um, two things on this, guys. Craig, we'll kick, we'll kick this off with you. Uh, first of all, it's theoretical. <laughs> so right. let's start there. Um, right. Here's the thing, though. I, every company, I shouldn't say every company, a, a number of companies have come out with fiber systems uh, over the last three or four years. Crestron has one. AMX has one. Uh, the uh, Extron has one. Um, and they all have different specs, right? And those specs are based on the capacity that that the you know the IEEE and other standard company uh, standards. Uh, organizations have attributed to fiber. So here's the question for you. Uh, I know I said I, I'm almost K'd out, but as we talk about <laughs> UHD and we talk about 4K and 8K and, and the ones coming down the line, the one pushback I've gotten from guys like AMX and Crestron and people like that is there's no infrastructure, right? I mean, you could do uh, HDMI, but even that it has its limitations. Um, they say, uh, some of them say they can do 1080p, deep color over fiber not over you know for so many you know um feet if this thing has twice the theoretical cap capacity um first question is is there a way we can find this out and we can start utilizing that um to say yes we have you know the infrastructure capability to handle your 4k so you know give us your content theoretically yes <laughs> thank you <laughs> Good night. <laughs> he'll, be, um, he'll be here all week, folks. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, when when I see things like this, theoretical capacity, I mean, it, it's kind of you know crossing your fingers and, and hoping it works to, to some degree. If if you're if you're an early adopter for for technology like this, but it, I mean, it sounds good based on how it's you know how, how it's described. It it sounds like it has potential to be you know some something that that can be utilized and you know that people would be interested in but just when i see theoretical capacity it, it just kind of makes me wonder you know kind of how how far along it is and you know when when it might actually be available you know how you know how it can be utilized that that sort of thing it, it just i don't know it, it's it's all it's all a little speculative to me it is um, Doctor Yoram, Yoram. Um, you got a doctor in front of your name, and I have a hard time not doing that. Um, Yoram, you first of all, um, you some of your 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 doctorate was in you know in, in as, as as a technologist. Um, is this something where we can you know we can start using this as hey you know what we we've got more we have more bandwidth to play with than we than we might might have first thought when it comes to pushing you know hd and higher resolutions down fiber so uh, first of all by the way i 
I have a degree from the University of Tel Aviv, although it's a law degree, and please don't go there. Uh, and I do know one of the researchers, uh, Dr. Mayer Feder, who's, who's a friend, and he is the CTO for a company called Amimon. Uh, you, you should be familiar with them because they're the ones delivering high-definition content wirelessly inside the home, kind of riding on top of Wi-Fi. Um, so, you know, th th those are smart people who uh, came up with this. The, the thing about theoretical capacity, I have to tell you that back in, uh, I, I think it was 1983 or something like that, when a, a researcher from IBM that I met was telling us about silicon. He said that the theoretical capability or the smallest feature size is going to be 1.5 micron. We are currently, it's 2.5 micron, so it's not going to get much smaller because that's the theoretical limit. And guess what? We are now about, uh, I don't know, 300 times smaller than what the theoretical capacity was. And the thing about the theoretical capacity is that it's a theoretical capacity if we continue doing things the way we're doing them now. But once we start thinking outside the box and we realize that there are other ways to do things, and all of a sudden you do get to the point where uh, you can have uh, twice the theoretical capacity that we currently are aware of. So th there's work done all the time on this. And uh, yes, the, it, it probably is uh, twice and maybe even more than twice. And I'm pretty sure that, that pretty quickly what you're going to see is end equipment on both sides of this uh, uh, optical cable starting to utilize the extra capacity because we can use every beat per second we can get. Yeah, we can. We, we, I mean, here's the thing. The one thing that, that a lot of video guys will will say, um, the video version of, of audio files will say, you know what, transmitting anything, um, you're, you're going to have to start squashing it when you start getting above. Honestly, some of them even say when you start getting above 720p, you're going to have to start compressing it. And so if there's a way we can find that we don't have to compress it, I think you know, all the better. Uh, Kelly, you guys are a video company. You work for Vadio. Um, I'm going to give you a tremendous opportunity here. Okay. <laughs> Develop an 8K cabling system using using uh, fiber. Take that um. to you guys. <laughs> no? Well, we just developed a fiber system for our CCUs and cameras. See? You guys are even using fiber. And that's the thing is, um, and I'm not picking on you guys because you guys do a, a good job. The one I don't think it, Go ahead. I don't, I don't think it's anywhere near 8K. <laughs> well, no. Use use the theoretical capacity that, that we just talked about. I suppose. About. Theoretically, it could be. That would be <laughs> night. I already have a title for this show. Theoretical. Okay. But by the way, uh, Tim, if, if I might, yes. just one, one little thing that I wanted to add. We're talking about 4K, then we're talking about 8K. We're getting to the point where we don't care anymore. I mean, the, the higher quality and higher quality, how about doing something different? I'm, I'm really still waiting to see a real 3D TV, not, not the one that has goggles. Something that, that really works 3D, gives me a 3D perception. I, I think that... I can live with uh, even less than the current high-definition quality if it really became 3D. Uh, and, and it seems like a lot of the efforts is put right now in trying to get a higher resolution to the point where, where you know, you can't even notice it. Do you, you want to know why, Yoram? Because <laughs> I think you're in a minority when it comes to 3D. I really do. Um, there was a story I think we did last week or week before last about... Smart uh, smart TV usage, the fact that everybody is, is not everybody, but uh, a majority of, of consumers are, are, are purchasing um, uh, these smart TVs, but there's not a whole lot of usage. I think a year or so ago when everybody, you know, when a lot of the displays were pushing the fact that they were 3D ready, I think you have the same thing here. You know, you've got people who purchased a new TV and, oh yeah, by the way, it came with 3D. Uh, I don't know that consumers near, grabbed onto that nearly as, as well as, as maybe um, the content providers maybe wish they would have. Um, I could be wrong about that, though. <laughs> maybe that's my own bias uh, when it comes to 3D. So, I don't know. The way it's delivered today. That's the way okay, it's yes. Today. The way it's delivered today. You give it to me well. You, you give, it, give it to me really well done, and I, and I would give it. I'll, I'll give you that. Um Chris, we're, I'm going to kind of take this on a left-hand turn, and and the reason for that is just this weird little question in the back of my head. Anytime anybody starts talking about fiber, um, when it comes to you know 
uh, economics of scale and supply and demand and all of that, I understand very little. I understand the basics. You know, the the more you have of something and the less the demand is, the cheaper it should be, right? And the, the less you have of something and the more the demand, the more expensive it should be. And I also understand that as technology grows and matures, it traditionally gets less expensive. Is that a fair statement, Mr. Neto? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. So, in my perception, in my opinion, the, the way that I, I guess I'm seeing the industry, it doesn't seem to me <laughs> that fiber is getting any less expensive. So, uh, with this story here and the doubling of the, the, the more theoretical capacity, is this something where it will fiber, I guess, is the way to ask this question, will fiber ever get to the point where maybe Cat5 is now in, yes. when it comes to infrastructure? Okay. If that's the case, then when? Uh, why do you give me the hard question? I don't, because, you know, Yoram's got to take a drink every once in a while, and, you know. <laughs> so, I just so, gave, so, so I got to rub the crystal ball here yes. and tell you, it. oh, come on. He gave man. us 2028 for crying out loud. I know. He pinpointed it. I'm already <laughs> yes. digging a hole here, building the bunker. <laughs> um, this is the way I see the, the whole fiber thing is this. It's. It is less expensive, Tim. Uh, it is. It's. It's becoming more cost-effective. The. The thing is, is that Cat Five is cheaper, still cheaper. And when it, when you come back to the your your the way you started that with economics, economics will tell you that I need to build a building. Uh, let's throw in Cat Six. It's still cheaper than Fiverr. Or let's throw in Cat Five because it's still cheaper than Fiverr. Whatever the whatever the Cat version you want. But the fact is, is that Fiverr has gotten cheaper. Connections have been made a lot easier mm -hmm. it you know it's there are devices now that will terminate fiber and it doesn't take a guy all day to terminate uh, an end on fiber anymore it's not super meticulous it still is i think as time uh moves on uh you will see easier ways to do it and easier way to terminate it but and but you're also just seeing it from our perspective here Fiber is being run all over the world in other places, you know, where we're still heavily copper based on everything. And fiber is being used outside of, you know, look at all these announcements from Google, you know, doing Google Fiber and mm -hmm. this, that, and the other thing. It is going to come. It's going to get better. Is it cheaper? Still not the cheapest, but I don't think we're going to have to do the, ten, you know, scale it out to 10, you know, to 2028 to, to wait for it. It's being deployed now. Uh, it's, you know, it's a matter of now adoption. You know, the people need to start getting into the mindset. Let's start running fiber in buildings to cubicles in all, in homes as opposed to, uh, you know, running the standard copper wire. I mean, how long did it take people to get away from Cat three in homes? You know what I'm saying? Well, and the the other thing is is when does it become not only when does it become more cost effective, right? And and, and when it comes to quality versus versus other stuff, because people ran RG six and, and and other um, you know copper core cable for for years, and there was a breaking point there, and I'm I'm not smart enough to know when it was, where category cable Cat five Cat six became less expensive and and more uh, more uh, just more efficient to run than the the rg6 and the other well it, it's also think of now the speed you have going into your house you know and i'm going to take it to the, to the home side you now have you know cablevision comcast whoever optimum whoever the provider is i mean you're getting fast internet at one point your internet at home was faster than the one you have at home at work yeah you know, it, and then you look at wireless routers. Wireless routers started off at G, and then it was G+, and then Super G, and all this other stuff, and then eventually started going to N. And now there's the bigger talk of the of the next generation of, of, of um, and, and George knows this right off the top of his, uh, uh, George Tucker knows it off the top of his uh, tongue. I can't even think of the name of the, it's not Y-Di, it's... Um, W-H-D-I? Y-Gig. No. Yeah. Y-Gig. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's the next wireless thing that's going to come to our house. You know, meanwhile, in corporate America, you're still dealing with, you know, 100, you know, 100 meg connections at, at a wall, if that. And, you know, you're still deploying out, you know, there's still G being used in some spaces for older, you know, smaller businesses. Some have moved to N. But, 
you know, it's, I don't know, Tim, fibers there. By the way, Tim, yes. uh, I, would, I would hate to uh, self-promote myself. Wait, no, I don't hate that. Uh, I was going to say, go ahead. <laughs> in 2007, I actually did publish a book called Bowling with a Crystal Ball, and this was exactly the topic of the book. It was uh, uh, how do you predict uh, those uh, the, the technology trends and, and what, what is the parameter that you're following? And, and one of the parameters, for example, uh, the speed. Uh, another parameter was the complexity of components. Another one was dollar per, whether it's dollar per milliwatt, dollar per uh, meg megabit per second, dollar per uh, million instructions per second. And those, uh, and I actually researched that and, and found that there are reasons why those stay on a pretty straight logarithmic line. Um, and and it's, it's part psychology, it's part uh, adoption, market adoption of new technologies, but it, it gets to the point where you can pretty much predict exactly the point when, in time, when you're going to hit any parameter you'd like. And it just, it's, it's unbelievable how straight it is for how long of a period of time. That is, that is really cool. By the way, you can get Dr. Solomon's book on Amazon right now. $10 for the Kindle version and $20 for the paperback, so... Wow, that was quick. <laughs> I, I, I don't have an I don't have an affiliate program, but you know you could you should still go buy it. So, um, and it's a very pretty cover too. It's a very nice crystal ball bowling ball. So, uh, <laughs> um, from CE Pro, uh, well, the CEA named their 2013 Hall of Famers. So, I am going to go around the horn and ask you guys. By the way, a couple of them uh, was Meg Whitman, uh, the two guys who made TiVo, uh, Magnolia AV. Um, we're going to go around the horn here and ask you to create, we're going to create uh, our own pro AV, uh, hall of fame. Uh, and, uh, and we'll do, uh, we'll, ha we'll start with Ms. Perkins, Kelly, who would your, maybe one or two, um, one of two, one of your two, uh, inductees into the hall of fame. Is it bad if I say my boss? No, it's actually pretty, probably pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, here's the thing, though. She makes a good point, though, because Vadia started up uh, 11 years ago, um, and it's a, actually it's a very cool story. I just talked with with uh, with one of the guys there last week about, with a, I'm writing a story about something totally different. Uh, but I, I had a very nice conversation with him, and and it was a very cool story. So yeah, that would that's legitimate. You know, he's started numerous companies in the industry, and to grow our company the way it has and be the only you know, video camera manufacturer in the U.S. and, you know, only being the second PTZ manufacturer after Sony coming out of Minnetonka, Minnesota, I think is pretty cool. Yeah. No, I think I think that right there is, is very cool. So, yeah, I like that. Um, Yoram, who would your, who, besides yourself, who, who else would you <laughs> put into the, the Hall of Fame? I mean, kind of like, the guy's a pilot, he's a doctor, he wrote a book, and he's a lawyer. Come on. <laughs> oh, that, that takes out. Well, I'm sorry. With to, to me, electronics, audio, visual, computing, whatever you want, um, it's going to have to be Steve Jobs. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised he's not on the list right now. I do want to nominate someone who's already on the list. Uh, that is Meg Whitman, uh, simply because she knows what it means to lose an election, and I feel for her. <laughs> Very well done. <laughs> Very well done, Craig. Uh, I know it's your your guys, your compatriots over at CE Pro. Uh, but give me maybe one or two guys in the in the in the pro AV. Yeah. Uh, well, Steve Jobs is already taken, I suppose. So, um, how, Mr. Wozniak is is another uh, worthy candidate, I would say. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Neto, who would your uh, your one or two guys be? I'm gonna kick it old school. Okay. It would be. Uh, you have to you have to go way back and start talking about Bell Labs and their contribution. I keep, that's not a single person, I guess, yeah. in what they did for video telephony. You got to go back to Nikola Tesla and everything that was put there. I mean, when when I saw this come across your your email, I the history side of me or the history buff inside me, you know, started going back to you know World's Fair nineteen um, sixty four. Is it maybe I forget when the first video phone was. Uh, was debuted at a world's fair you know that to me 
those are that's the, the building blocks of what we're in today. I mean, but then you know, we're not an industry that just came up as AV. Yeah. You got to go into the recording industry. You got to go into the film industry because camera work, audio uh, boards. I mean, it's just so much. I don't think you can actually find pinpoint one person. You know, obviously, what's what may be unique to us as opposed to another industry, maybe is the control system side of the business. Yeah. You know, uh, but outside of that, there's so many components of AV that it's hard to pinpoint just one person, you know? It's, so I, I, I would go with the, I, I'd go with the classics, <laughs> the Edison's, the Tesla's and you know, the, the, the work that was done early on in, in the bell labs time. And see, I would do because of the control side, because that is so uniquely pro AV, I would start with, with George Feldstein of, of Crestron. Um, and also the guys that they kind of got together and, and started Infocom, uh, and it wasn't Infocom back then, but uh, they, they started the, the organization, the trade organization. Um, but you, you ticked off another one uh, while you were talking there, Chris, and, and that's uh, you know Philo Farnsworth, um, the guy that technically gave us TV and, and you know displays and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, the way back when. Um, <laughs> so I think, my, I think my dad had one of his original TVs. So. That's a, wow. That was a, an age joke. So. <laughs> 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 He's not that old. He, What's he, 63 this year? So, holy cow. All right. Um, Last but not least, and this is more of a, I want you guys to kind of mainly comment about the most unique digital signage you've ever seen. But this, uh, actually, uh, our buddy, uh, uh, Mr. uh, Mr. A.V. Don, um, sent this to me right before we started. Uh, It is a, well, it's a stop sign projected on a wall of water. (laughs) And... um, yeah, it's it's mainly for for people, and in your pointed out correctly, uh, the the article refers to them as lorries, but because this is a British piece, uh, basically it's so trucks uh, don't go into these tunnels that are, are too low for them. Um, so, you know, Craig, maybe what's one of the the most unique uh, digital signage applications you've seen? Hmm. Um. Well, the, I think this is this is right up there. Although I, I can definitely picture some somebody who's who's had a few too many uh, um, pints in the pub uh, driving through the stop sign. Regardless, I think, uh, you don't picture them showering underneath that. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. That's wow. a good point. Yeah, um, I, I, off off the top of my head, I would say this is uh, this is definitely uh, right right at or or near the top of the list. So I'll go with this one. Uh, Chris, what's the most unique, or maybe if this is it, that's fine too. Um, I, I would say this is probably unique, unless you want to consider, you know, some of the stuff that they're doing with projection mapping on yeah. buildings as a way to do signage. I mean, that's that's impressive, you know. Uh, so yeah, I've never seen the. I mean, let me clarify that. I've seen projection on water, and they've been showing that at, at Infocom with the misting and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's that was doable, but actually. You know, how many people walked by that and said, when the heck am I ever going to use this? I mean, unless you're at a nightclub or something with steam mists or something, where else would you want to project on that? And this is a, a practical application where it's being used. I think it's great. A perfectly practical Pretty application. Cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. And you get a car wash out of it, too. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> unless you have a convertible. Oh. But it's just for pollen removal. That's it. It's not for deep wash. That's it, just to get the pollen off. <laughs> or a sunroof. <laughs> or a sunroof, or your windows down. Or... All right. You know what? It's Friday or you drive like, or, or, you know, or you, or you drive like Ace Ventura with your head out the window. I mean, that's that's not going to be very good either. But Or motorcyclists. Anyway. <laughs> or, yeah. Or unicycles. Or you, you know, okay, I mean, you know what? it could be bad. It's going to go bad, Tim. It's going to go down that road. <laughs> it has already. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap this up today. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. With this has been Miss Kelly Perkins. She is the Marketing and Communications Manager for Vadio. Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you. Um, tell people real briefly, um, yeah, real briefly, but tell people about the work that you do uh, with the Women in AV. I work with the women in AV, and we have actually we have some cool stuff happening at Infocom. We have a luncheon, um, and we also have uh, after Infocom reception where we will be recognizing a mentor um, from the industry. So, pretty exciting stuff. Hope you can make it. Yes, uh, and also, where can people find you and uh, and or Vadio? 
You can find me at kperkins at vadio.com or just stop at vadio.com and all of my contact info is there. Very good. Uh, also with us is Joram Solomon. He is the VP of Corporate Strategy at Penview and the candidate for the 2015 Plano Independent School District. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. It was great being here. And uh, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Yoram Solomon. Actually, you can still find me at Solomon for PISD. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Yoram, uh, just uh, at Yoram. And uh, you can find me at Yoram at Romatics. Very good. Uh, Craig McCormick, he is the editor at large. Yay! At, uh, <laughs> at Commercial Integrator. Uh, thank you, sir. And, and tell people how, how they can get a hold of you. Uh, commercialintegrator.com. You can find all our, our stories there on Twitter. Uh, I'm Craig McCormick, and it's M-A-C-C-O-R-M-A-C-K. Uh, and last but not least, Mr. Chris Netto from uh, AV Help Desk and also from the Red Band. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you. And how can people get a hold of you? Um, you can find me uh, at the AV Help Desk uh, website, uh, www.avhelpdesk.com. You find me on Twitter at Chris underscore Netto. And pretty much find me anywhere. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, um, yeah, don't. Uh, go to avnation.tv. <laughs> Just don't. It's uh, Stuff I do is stupid. I like hockey. I like football. And, you know, I got two kids. That's you know, that's pretty much my life. So go to, go <laughs> to AV. Was sarcasm? No, it wasn't. I, I have a very boring, you know, this is the most exciting hour of my week. You guys don't get that. This is the most most fun I have all week. So. You need to get out more. Um, I, do. I do. Well, again, I live in the Midwest, so you know it's this or watch corn grow. Um, oh, <laughs> there's more to do in the Midwest than that. You're in Minnesota, no? <laughs> um, I shouldn't say that. I love the Midwest. I would. I probably would never. You know, would never leave here. I do. I do love it. There's also wheat to watch grow. Uh, but go by. But go by the website if you would please. Uh, Aviation.tv. Uh, actually, uh, our webmaster uh, is working feverishly. Uh, on a new website, so we're very excited about that. Um, uh, hopefully rolling that out before Infocom. Uh, if you hear this, Matt Scott, hopefully running this out before Infocom. Um, but uh, but go by the, the the one that's there now. It's, it's pretty cool. It has this web this uh, this podcast and the other ones. We've got the uh, education focus, the so, the um, the uh, social one. Uh, we have a live uh, staging event one, and a, a new one on uh, on control systems, which is which is actually kind of cool. So, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week.